Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life, which attempts to bring some themes together and make some kind of sense. But as regular listeners know, that's often the aim, but rarely the result. But let's see how we do, shall we? So what's interesting from my perspective with photography is that Bristol in the southwest of England uh, has two buildings, two uh, institutions, I suppose, which brings photography together in a really interesting and diverse way, really close to each other with free parking. What's not to love? Well, I'm talking, of course, about the Martin Parr Foundation and the Royal Photographic Society. Uh, no more than a hop, skip and a jump between each other. And over the last couple of weeks, I visited both on a number of occasions. And I'm going to talk about those visits today. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the conference that I mentioned uh, in previous episodes that I was speaking at that dealt with AI and photography. It was a two-day conference and it was very interesting. I have to say, I couldn't listen to all of the talks because I was busy doing other things. But I did my best to listen to as many of them as I possibly could. Now, what came to my mind, and actually I have to admit when I gave my talk, it was more of a reflection, I suppose, not only of what I think, which is that obviously... Uh, AI is here to stay, but uh, don't think it's the end of the conversation. It isn't the end of photography. It isn't the end of photographers. However, it is part of an evolution of photography and photographers. And that was really the, what I was there to try and say. But I also uh, chose to pick up on some of the themes that I heard. These themes, I thought, were very interesting. There was a real dominance of discussion around stock photography and particularly Getty images. Oh, that was interesting because it seemed to me that most people were picking up on that because it's the most uh, newsworthy. It's been the most featured uh, online and in news stories. So I suppose in a way it's the most uh, transparent kind of, it's the most obvious um, example of how AI has impacted photography. And a number of the talks spoke about the same thing, used the same text and also the same AI images to make their point. Other people were very much into the analytical data side of AI, uh, something I really cannot connect with at all, I have to be honest. My brain doesn't work like that. I suppose it's why I'm in the creative industries in a way. It's because I'm not that kind of a mathematical, analytical kind of a person that gets excited about uh, numbers and ratios and so forth. So that was another part of it, of the conference. Then there was a part which dealt very much with contemporary art practice. And a lot of that came from an academic perspective. Uh, and again, I have absolutely no problem with that, but I did find that it was very obsessed with um, specific software programs and the use of those software programs. Now, again, I'm not that guy. I'm not the person who gets excited about trying to use, uh, I suppose, manipulate, uh, understand new um software packages, you know, such as Midjourney. So, and, and you will know all the, the names that are out there at the moment that different people are using. I just don't have time again to really dedicate myself 
to working out how to do it. I've dabbled, but nothing more than that. What was also interesting was that all of these people, I have to say, apart from one person who gave the, the introductory uh, talk, the introductory kind of speech, Simon Hill from the Royal Photographic Society, he addressed the issues of being a working photographer. But I didn't really feel that anybody else did or really understood those realities. Well, there's lots of discussion around copyright, and that's absolutely fine. But what I was interested in was conversation around the progression and how the new-look photographic practice for a working photographer, uh, how's it going to work? How's it going to look? What shape and form is it going to take? And I get the feeling that a lot of you listening to this podcast, you're engaged in that as well. That's what you are interested in hearing about. So overall, for me, really interesting. Not because every single talk connected with me, because I have to be honest, it didn't, and in a way it shouldn't. But what it did do was it gave me a really good overview of the kinds of conversation that are being had around AI and photography. And it does seem to me that there's a big area which is being ignored. And that's the one that affects people the most. It's the one about earning a living as a photographer. This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us what photography means to him in under five minutes or near enough, uh, Bill Stevenson, who was born in 1955 in Birmingham, but spent his teenage school years growing up in Leeds. After studying for his A-levels, he wanted to work in a creative industry and enrolled on the furniture design course at Trent Polytechnic in Nottingham. During the course, he was required to complete a short photography block. As soon as he started creating images with a camera, he knew this was the career he had been looking for and resigned from the furniture design course. Unable to join the photography course, as he was ineligible to receive a student grant to remember what they were, uh, he began working as a tyre fitter, van delivery driver and a photographer at Butlin's holiday camp, Skegness, in 1977. The following year, he sent a small portfolio of photographs to the British Journal of Photography, which was published. This led to an invitation from the Communication Arts BA Fine Art degree course at Sheffield City Polytechnic to consider applying to the join the course. He quickly developed a passion and commitment for photographing and recording communities of people who are often overlooked, neglected, marginalised or considered unimportant. He has continued to work on commissioned social documentary photography projects alongside a successful commercial photography business before semi-retiring in 2021. He currently lives in Derbyshire in the UK. Hi, my name's Bill Stevenson. I've worked as a social documentary photographer and later commercial photographer since graduating with a degree in fine art from Sheffield City Polytechnic in 1982. My immediate answer in response to Grant's question, what does photography mean to me, is simply this. Photography has given me a voice that I did not think I had. When I was a student, my voice was concerned with communicating the aesthetics of fine art photography. In fact, looking back, one of my main influences at the time was Rembrandt. My work at that time was about light, composition and texture, combining these elements to make visually striking and intriguing images. 
However, I slowly started to reject this type of photography and wanted to produce photographs that reflected my thoughts and opinions, which in turn were responses to living in the real world. This attitude, encouraged from living through a time of high unemployment and the deindustrialization of the coal and steel industries during the 1980s, which caused immense social and economic change in Sheffield and South Yorkshire, further helped me define my direction as a social documentary photographer. I like to describe my photography projects as visual narratives. The broad aim of each project was always to reflect the society in which we live in. I quickly found a purpose and commitment in photographing and describing communities who went unnoticed, marginalised or were considered unimportant, trying to give a voice to people who are unable to do so themselves, documenting their lives and in particular their social and economic conditions. As a photographer, I'm always an outsider, so being able to gain people's trust and therefore gain accessibility into that community is vital. So spending time talking to people and trying to understand their lives before starting to take photographs is essential if that portrayal is to be truthful, authentic and accurate. I see my role as a photographer as someone who elevates these overlooked communities and presents them as truthfully as I can to a wider audience. As time moves on, the significance of these communities I photographed has changed. Rather than being contemporary accounts, they now become historic documents, which stand or fall depending on the skill and perceptiveness of my photography at the time. Most of the communities I photographed have all been swept away. Often only my images remain of that time and place. That accuracy is something I hope I got right. So returning to Grant's question, what does photography mean to me? My thoughts now return to when I was a young man searching for a meaning and purpose in life. My statement, photography has given me a voice that I did not think I had, is still a good answer all these years later. Thank you, Bill, for your contribution this week. And in a time I would suggest of economic and social upheaval, Boy, do we need photographers to tell those stories, those visual narratives, as Bill refers to them, and as I always refer to them. Also, uh, we need photographers to document our time at a local level, as well as at a national and international level. So, as always, check out Bill's work. I think you'll find it very interesting. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode my recent trips down to Bristol, the area I was talking about where both Martin Parr's Foundation and the RPS are based is called the Paintworks. It's a short walk from the train station. As I say, it's got free parking, which really is something nowadays. Anyway, the other reason I went down there uh, actually was for BOP, uh, and that's Books on Photography, which has become an annual uh, meeting coming together of like-minded folk in the photographic community. It takes place over two days, a Saturday and Sunday, absolutely free to uh, attend. And there are always a number of talks both days. I think there's a fee attached to attending the talks, but a very uh, small fee, so that's OK. But you do get the chance to talk to photographers um, as they're walking around and you get to see some of your heroes as well I'm sure which is always good. The problem I have with um, Bob is something which I suppose I quite often use the metaphor of music when talking about photography 
And uh, there was an article that seems to have resurfaced, but actually came out 11 years ago uh, on The Guardian. And, and I just wanted to read it because it's about music. And I think it's kind of relevant to where we are today with the photography book. See if you agree with me. So the article was titled Pop Music These Days. It all sounds the same, survey reveals. Uh, pop music is too loud and melodies have become more similar, according to a study of songs from the past 50 years conducted by Spanish scientists. Uh, pop music is too loud and it all sounds the same. That's the conclusion of scientists at the Spanish National Research Council who have published a new report on songs released between 1955 and 2010. As I say, it's an old article. The researchers used a data set of 464,411 musical recordings to analyse what has changed and what has stayed the same over the past half century of song. Many of music's patterns and metrics have been consistently stable for this period, they wrote. However, we prove important changes or trends related to the restriction of pitch transitions, the homogenization of the timbral palette and the growing loudness levels. Melodies are becoming more and more similar. And Sarah, who uh, was one of the uh, researchers, explained to Reuters, we obtain numerical indicators that the diversity of transitions between note combinations, roughly speaking chords, plus melodies, has consistently diminished in the last 50 years. Not only are the melodies of songs more similar than they used to be, the timbral palette employed, the sounds of the instruments, has also grown narrower. A trumpet sound, its timbre, is very different to the sound of an electric guitar or electric piano. But now, apparently, songs are relying on a much smaller range of timbres than in the past. When so many instruments are synthesised, perhaps, or rely on digital processing, the trumpet begins to lose its trumpetness. Well, here's the thing. I feel the same about a lot of photography books I see. And walking around Bop the other week, um, I had some great conversations and I did see some interesting books. Uh, I have to say, one of the best books I've seen recently, um, apart from the work of Alice Tomlinson and Craig Easton, both of whom I think consist consistently produce interesting and relevant work, both of whom have appeared on previous episodes of the podcast, uh, and Mark Wilson, who's actually next week's guest. Now, this isn't nepotism. I'm just reflecting on the fact that I like to try and bring on to the podcast uh, people whose work I think has relevance. And his recent book on Ukraine, I think, is, is hugely important, as has uh, his recent work on the Holocaust. So the problem is that I walked around and just like bad pop music that's over-studio produced and bland, as those Spanish researchers uh, were confirming. Um, the issue I had is I was seeing lots of beautifully produced books, very cleanly designed in a very similar style from book to book. You know what I'm talking about. A really nice cloth cover, perhaps, or a simple piece of uh, typography in the name, which is usually kind of slightly conceptual. And then a series of images that go through that book, uh, all images on the right-hand page, all with a white border, all with a little caption in the bottom left-hand page, and perhaps with a forward or an afterward or so forth. Now, there are some books that take on that format, and I believe are, are very, very successful. 
Uh, and in fact, you know, we'll, we'll talk about those books. But the problem is, just like good pop music stands out, even if it does employ modern studio, uh, I suppose you would say, functionalities, you know, that are, that are available now. Um, so the books that are, are just kind of kind of watered-down versions of that, same as the pop songs, which are watered-down versions, that rely too strongly on a formula, uh, they start to become, I'm afraid to me, boring. And I walked around. Uh, I didn't buy any books. I nearly bought a few really old books that I thought looked interesting. But in itself, I, perhaps that's an answer to the issue that in the past there were lots of different ways of approaching the photo book, and now things have become a little bit staid. Why is that? Well, as we know, if you only listen to one type of music, you're going to end up recreating it. If you only look at one type of photography, one type of photo book, you're going to end up uh, recreating it. The sort of hyper-intense, rich colours of digital photography, the ability it gives us with digital printing, produces a very similar-looking kind of end product. Now, I'm not trying to be negative about this. I'm just giving an opinion, as always. Um, I'm sure that if you're listening to this and you walked around Bop and you saw great stuff, that's all good. Personally, I didn't. As I said, these uh, events are always great places to bump into people and have conversations. And uh, that was certainly the case at Bop. And I really enjoyed that part of the event. That's for sure. Uh, but what also does seem to be happening now is I keep getting people coming up to me and saying, uh, are you Grant Scott? Uh, I recognise your voice from the podcast, uh, which is lovely. And really great. So thank you to all of you. I think there were about three or four people just at Bop in the couple of hours or so that I was there uh, came up to me and said how much you enjoy uh, what we do on this podcast. So thank you very much to them. And uh, if you do recognise my voice, if, you, if I'm out and about at a photo event, do please come up and let's have a conversation. You don't have to say you enjoy it or you like it. In fact, I think I, I bumped into somebody who actually said that um, they don't agree with most of the things I say, but they actually enjoy listening to the podcast. Well, for me, that's a, a double success. Please don't feel you need to agree with me at any time. Anyway, uh, it's been really chilly in the shed this morning, despite the fact of me putting on uh, a fisherman's jumper to... It's not belong to a fisherman obviously it's just fisherman style to try and keep me warm so I'm, my voice may have been a little bit jittery but as you can probably hear uh, I'm not quite as gravelly as I have been over previous weeks so it does seem to be that kind of covidy type thing that I had uh, is in the past and that's all good Anyway, hope you've enjoyed the uh, episode as always. If you are listening on a uh, platform where you can subscribe, please subscribe and we can drop into your uh, your uh, libraries or your email boxes, whatever it may be. You can always subscribe to unitednationsofphotography.com as well. Don't forget that all the photographers' full details are included there. And of course, don't forget to take care. Mm -hmm.